This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Welcome to the things that matter. My name is Maritza. I'm a native New Englander, now living in the South, managing the business world while keeping my own mental health in check. I've always had a fascination for the brain and behavior and anything neuroscience related. The world can feel overwhelming at times, especially if you don't understand yourself. I thought I did for years before being diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I'm here to show you that you are not alone. I want to inspire you as a listener to be that empowered individual that you know lives deep down in your heart, but I will be the first one to let you know you cannot get there without working on yourself. It starts right here, right now. You can make a difference in someone's life, no matter how small it seems. We need community. We need collaboration. We need people. Welcome to another episode. We have a guest today. I have Danny with me. Welcome, Danny. Hey. <laughs> nice How are to be you here. today? Yes. I'm um, I'm good. Good. Tired, as yeah. always. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can go into all the reasons why. <laughs> um, but we'll get started here just talking about I usually say, well, I usually tell people how we met initially. Mm-hmm. Um, really it's through work. Uh we both used to work for Marriott Hotels together. Um, say that's Basically, the gist of how we met. There's other reasons, there are other ways, but through people. Yeah. What What year was that? Um, We're going pre-pandemic here. Pandemic. Yeah. So I started, I think, in 2018. Because we were there roughly. Did we get furloughed at the, roughly around the same time, or did you leave prior? Oh, I was there still through the furlough. Oh, yeah. So I got okay. furloughed too at yeah, the same okay. time. Well, mm. probably. Maybe two weeks after you, two but weeks it was. After. Oh, it okay. was only. I mean, everything happened so quickly. I think we remember March. God, was, <laughs> what year was that? Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. I know it's been a long few years. Gosh. Yeah. And um, let's tell everyone else everything you do. So, what do you do aside from? Um. Uh, so I am a flight attendant for a major airline. I've been with the company for about. 10 years now. I'm going on my 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. So, yeah, yeah. A long time. <laughs> yeah, that is a long time. What got you into airlines initially? Oh, gosh. I love to travel. Okay. <laughs> so initially, my the backstory of my career is I was with Marriott for 10 years, and I was in um, the food and beverage management portion of it. Uh-huh. And initially, I just did not want to move up in the company anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And then I was like, you know what? What makes me happy? Oh, I love traveling. Let me do something that puts me in that, you know, industry. Oh, I'm going to be a flight descendant. <laughs> all right. Did it, ha- it all happen really fast when you got oh, into it? Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, it took me about maybe two years of applying back and forth. Okay. Just from the regional airlines, the main, mm-hmm. you know, the main airlines. And when my specific airline now... Um, I think I had applied twice. Mm-hmm. Initially, the first time around, I like went in. So there's a, an interview process, a really intensive like interview process that takes place. So I made it all the way up until the um, ending of like the group interview uh-huh. portion, and then I got sent home. So uh-huh. I wasn't I wasn't chosen. So that was a real bummer. Uh-huh. But then initially, you have to wait like six months later to reapply again, and then oh, wow. that's when I made it. Yeah. So, yeah. I think 
for everyone outside of the industry probably doesn't realize how challenging it is getting into the industry. Um, no, and you know what? It's like when you are hired on, they compare it to the Harvard application. Oh, wow. Like it's a lot harder to be a flight attendant versus you getting accepted into Harvard. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean, that's crazy. You can yeah, like it Google crazy. it or look it up. Uh-huh. You know? And then there's thousands and thousands of people that are applying for that slot. Yeah. Yeah. And this was 10 years ago now, too. This so was 10 like, years ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's crazy. And then um, the training program, how's the training program from there? Um, so when I was initially hired, it was roughly around five weeks. So okay. I think now the new hires that are coming on, it's seven weeks. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking about seven weeks of training. I mean, they provide... Um, what is it? They, they give you somewhere to sleep. They actually do feed you, but it's unpaid training. Okay. And then the reason for that is because they, you know, like, why would we pay you ahead of time when you're not even hired in the industry? Mm-hmm. And we don't know if you are going to be a good fit. Like, you have to pass the test. You have to pass the certification prior to you being employed. Mm-hmm. And then you get paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's when you see the money coming yeah. in. Yeah. Well, it's obviously been rewarding. You've been there for oh, quite yeah. some time now. Jeez, hopefully, man. <laughs> like, 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah. How was the start? <laughs> I guess, looking at your career with airlines, how did it start? Um, and can you tell me a little bit um, more about kind of just the journey through the 10 years? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, initially, you know, right after training, mm-hmm. I, I was uh, offered like uh, an offer letter to work for the airline industry. And at that point, they give you five moving days. Like in training, like, I mean, not, yeah, in training or I guess at graduation, you find out where you're going to be based at. Okay. And that's anywhere that this airline is employed in. Mm-hmm. So initially, they had told me, oh, well, you're going to be based in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Orlando, Florida at the time. And I had no desire to go move out in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, why? Why Why do I want to go outside and it feel like an oven every day? Uh-huh. But, you know, hey, you do what you have to do, right? So in five days, I had to pack up and live in my suitcase just so I could be in base. And then uh-huh. at that point, it's like when you're in base, you know, like you're not making any money. So mm-hmm. you have options to either room with your classmates or you can get a crash pad, which is what I did. Okay. So a crash pad basically is um, you're not like locked into like a lease mm-hmm. and you are living in this either a house or an apartment with like five other flight attendants. Okay. And I mean... <laughs> Did you make a lot of friends that way or was um, it... Mm, no, not really. Okay. Just because everyone has like different schedules, work yeah. schedules. So you're passing each other and crossing. You're just like, hey, have a good trip. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know. I can see that. And then, um, so like a lot of my classmates, we all were just really just going through the motions of like, hey, bye. And I didn't really hang out with anyone yeah. because like on my off days, I was commuting back home to Orlando. Oh, wow. So... Out of Phoenix, we didn't have, you know, like I would finish like a four or three day trip and then the last direct flight going back to like Orlando would leave at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, if I missed that or if the the schedule that I was on meant that I was finishing at like 6 p.m., I would have to wait at the airport for the red eye flight that would leave at like 10, 11 o'clock at night to connect to Charlotte, and then from Charlotte, take another flight back to Orlando, 
and exhausting. Yeah, and a lot of the times I was on the jump seat. Yeah. So, and when you're sitting on the jump seat, you're not part of the working crew, but you are not allowed to sleep. Oh, wow. So after working all day, okay. I had to sit on a jump seat and not sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I'm up. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm doing, um, what do you call it? Where you work over like a graveyard shift. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm working and graveyard. <laughs> I'm unintentionally working a graveyard shift without getting paid. Wow. Because I want to go home. Yeah. To go see my boyfriend at the mm-hmm. time that lived in Orlando. And I mean, my parents live there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sucked. Yeah. Like my life sucked. <laughs> Did and it ever become more stable? I guess, um, yeah. Okay. You know, because initially the whole goal, like when I was in training, I had put in for um, for Charlotte to be my main base. Okay. But because my seniority and everything in the airline is- industry is seniority based. Mm-hmm. So the more years you put in, you know, you, you just grow. Your tenure grows, right? Mm-hmm. So I um, couldn't get Charlotte, so I was stuck with Phoenix. And then eventually, <laughs> like, I always had my transfer put in to uh-huh. Philly just because Philly was just cheaper out of, like, the rest of the bases. Yeah. So I finally got Philly, but... <laughs> and it's East Coast, too. So you're and still it's East the, Coast. Yeah. So I was, like, in the same time zone, which mm-hmm. is great, right? Mm-hmm. But... When I was um, based in Phoenix, it was in the middle of the summer. So that's why the, the, the heat was just, like, unbearable. <laughs> yeah. And then finally got transferred over to, Fee- uh, no, to Philly. And Philly was in the middle of the winter. Okay, yeah. So Quite the change. <laughs> that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mind you, I'm like, I'm a Florida girl. So yeah. having to drag my suitcase in snow, <laughs> oh, good Lord. Like, yeah. I was like, what am I doing why am I doing this? How do people manage here? It yeah. was terrible. <laughs> well, um, you made it all work. And, <laughs> yeah, now. and then, you know, eventually migrated to Charlotte, and then I'm not leaving until they kick me out. Yeah. So. Um, well, we know. I mean, I've looked at statistics. The U.S. Mm-hmm. Travel Association says that travel continues to rise, and it's up 4% from the 2019 levels, even now. This is in January of 2023. So we're looking at greater uh, pre-pandemic levels of travel. So everyone's in the air right now, it seems, um, at least trying to get back to it. What have you seen over the past few years? Can you kind of, I guess, go back a few years and tell me, like, just in the industry, like, what, you know, what have you seen with other flight attendants, like, Mm -hmm. with your health, with everything going on? How's it been? Um, Let's see. I guess... Yeah, you can start as far back as you want. As far back as I want, yeah. I think initially, though, just like starting in the travel or, you know, in the aviation industry as Mm -hmm. a flight attendant was hard to begin with because you are basically plucked from wherever you used to live to -hmm. live in a base that you're or a state that you're you you don't know initially right so it's like now you're away from your friends and your family you don't know anyone Mm -hmm. you have no money Mm -hmm. and so it's like initially okay if you want to make some sort of a living it's like you have to work more Uh or you have to pick up a part-time job so you know that's hard um but then again now you have the rest that like this was like the best time of their lives because they all, all the friends live together. They all travel together. And I mean, I have like flight attendants friends that that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's all they do. They just travel. Oh, wow. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) 
how do you make money? You're yeah. always spending money on travel. <laughs> like, man, give me give me your pointers. Yeah, I feel like that's every industry. I used to work in retail, and it's yeah, like all this stuff yeah. that, you know, I sold, I also bought at the end of the day. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> so, oh, did I really make a profit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think initially, though, it's just when you're first starting out, it's mm-hmm. hard be- just because you're trying to balance, like, the work life. But, you know, you want to you make money. Yeah. And when you... When you first start off as like a flight attendant, you're a reserve. So you're locked into being reserve. And basically that means you're on call. Mm-hmm. You don't have a set schedule. Yeah. So you, the only thing that you know is when you're off. Your okay. day's off for the month. So you get 12 a month. And then pretty much everything else is like free game. Like you'll know the day before what 12-hour shift you're working, and we call those wraps. Okay. So you're either like A, B, C, D wrap, you know, and the times range from like A is like 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. and mm-hmm. like so forth, right? Oh, wow. So anytime at all, you just, you, you know, don't know where you're going. Yeah. What but, do you, is there any recommendation you have for people starting out, like how to manage all that? It seems really uh, tough. You just got to <laughs> put in your dues. Okay. Put in your dues. All of us did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, everyone, like you're able to like bid for your shift that you would want to work. Mm-hmm. But again, it's based on seniority and if you can hold it. Yeah. You know, like if you're not a morning person, then the 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. rap is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all seniority based. It's, yeah. it's hard. You it's know, that's tough. the hard part. So I think that's initially when you're first starting out, like that's the hard part about being a flight attendant, mm-hmm. the inconsistency not knowing what you're doing, where you're going, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a lot. And then you're, you're being used everywhere. <laughs> it's like the reserves cover the call-offs, um, the, um, just in case, you know, there's a, an, what do you call that? Um, a change in the system, like weather delays, okay. whatnot, like they mm-hmm. come in and cover boarding or, yeah. um, uh, trips the the other flight attendants are either stuck in like another state and can't make it in Mm -hmm. so they're the ones that get called to do that and yeah yeah and how um, how did everything change the pandemic like once that started um the pandemic so I think everything was pretty much like stable like I I feel like there was that respect for like flight crews on board there you know the aircraft and then when the pandemic happened, I mean, it was scary because a lot of the airplanes and airports were empty. Yeah. Like, we were basically just transporting airplanes from one city to another wow. with, like, one person or two people on board. Yeah. And the thing is, like, and the flight attendants weren't to protect ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we were required to still wear masks, but then we didn't do any service at all. Okay. So we were... Per, um, you know, like uh, the certain rules and guidelines that mm-hmm. we have to follow, we still had to do like our safety demo. Yeah. But as far as once that was done, mm-hmm. we just, I mean, it was like you sat down. Yeah. And you didn't do anything else. No service, no yeah. nothing. And I mean, and that, that this was probably like the easiest time in my career just because I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. I but, caught up on so much books. Yeah, like, I mean, that's good. <laughs> but at the same time, it was scary because you're like, wow, like if this continues, yeah, I might lose my job. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's, what's going to happen to everyone else in the aviation industry? Yeah. What happened to that level of connection? Obviously you you're talking to people every day, all day. Yeah. Lots of people on the plane. Like, what happened in the pandemic? How did that make you feel? Or just other people? 
um, other flight attendants. So, you know, COVID hit, and mm-hmm. then I was still employed for a bit, and then later in that year, in 2020, is when I ended up getting furloughed. Okay. So, like, during that time, I think that was, like, the really big impact on the industry because there was a, a ton of new flight attendants, you know, and then, I mean, older flight attendants, too, but mm-hmm. there was the suicide rate in our industry went up because then you know again like you don't really know what people are dealing with like yeah like and then just coming into work like this was their breath of fresh air right yeah. and then it's like taking that all away taking that away mm-hmm. like what do you do what am I supposed to do now like this yeah. is what I've always wanted to do or this is what gets me out of my funk mm-hmm. and then because I mean initially like all of us want to be flight attendants because we would love to travel yeah right it's just like travel oh okay <laughs> And I get to talk to people too. Yeah. So like you know, I like I joke around with my friends, and I call it my um, me coming to work is like my social hour. <laughs> yeah. So I just I sit here and I have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. But I think um, like when that happened with COVID, it was just the lack. Like I didn't really have that much conversations with yeah. anyone because everyone just seemed very um, like no one was happy. Passengers yeah. weren't happy. Nobody was happy. Your own crew members weren't happy. Yeah. You know? Stuff to keep going on. And then it's like, oh, gosh, I have to sit here and tell people to wear their masks correctly. Uh-huh. And it's not even my job. Yeah. Like, why do I have to be a mask police? You yeah. know? And then it's like, okay, well, I'm here for your safety and security of all passengers on the airplane. And now I have to do extra. Yeah. yeah. Now, overall, I guess, have you seen what was the... I guess what was were people listening or were is it kind of like know. a mix of everything? Gosh. Okay. I mean, <laughs> we 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 did have um, we do have passengers that listen, you know. Yeah. And then good, keep listening. But um, <laughs> there's there's those you have those select few that just uh-huh. want to get away with the rules, and then you know a lot a lot of the things that we were seeing with the mass was. Um, and the thing is, like, when you're when you're purchasing your boarding ticket, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're in the fine print tells you to that you're going to abide by wearing the mask at all times on board the aircraft. The only exception is if you're actively eating or drinking. But then you would have those select few that would sit there and have an M M&M and M with the mask down now, right? You know, they're yeah. they're digging in their bag of M and M, sticking it in their mouth, chewing digging in another bin and it's that or somebody that's stuck it on the lollipop and you're like dude mm-hmm. seriously yeah wear your mask did you find people were nicer to their fellow passengers mm, or no, oh, okay not Just, at all okay it was you more had, tense yeah it was like really tense or you would have other passengers they would poke you, and by the way, just never poke your flight attendant. We don't. We we do not Take like notes, that. Everyone. Yes, it's ma'am, sir. Do not poke us. We don't like it. And then me, you know, if you poke me, I'm gonna poke you back. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we would have like other passengers actually poke you to get your attention and they're pointing yeah. at all the people that are not following the rules by wearing their masks on mm. the airplane. Yeah. And you're like, really? Mm. Really? <laughs> like you're an adult. Like yeah. get up and say, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. And how was yeah, so when you were furloughed, how was that whole experience for you? Um I mean, 
So I was anticipating a furlough. Mm-hmm. So I was proactive as far as like working. Okay. Um, working a lot mm-hmm. during the time that I was still employed. And the thing with the aviation is depending on how many years you've been in service, you do get a severance package. Okay. So I was fortunate enough that I foresaw it coming. So mm-hmm. I worked a lot. So my severance package was actually enough to accommodate my bills and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the day after I was unemployed or furloughed, I um, got a part-time job. Okay. Just because I'm that person that gets steer crazy at home. Yeah. Well, but, it's good that you recognize mm-hmm. the need to do that just because you know what could be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do, it's like just be stressed about like, how am I going to pay my bills? You yeah. Know? But, like, other people were not that fortunate. That was first initially coming into the industry. And then, you know, now they, they're not going to have a paycheck because yeah. they've, they've just started or they're under a year in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, like, what do you do? Yeah. Or um, a lot of the times, like, um, or what had also happened was um, a lot of these new flight attendants were in training, like, a week before graduating and getting the news that they were being sent home. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it was devastating for them. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, initially, like, afterwards, you know, they were called back, Mm -hmm. but they had to go through the entire training process all over again when they were, like, a week away from graduating. so tough. And you're like, wow. Yeah. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah, that's – there's no – obviously, it's all out of our control, but that would be really tough. Yeah. What did you see um, overall just impacts on mental health – during this time or the past um, few years? I think a lot of it is just like how, like I feel like some, you know, they're still very nice people out there, you mm-hmm. know, and they're very patient and just caring. But I think what COVID did is, um, oh gosh, it's really taken away from just people being kind to one another, mm-hmm. you know, and then like patient also. Cause then I see that with my coworkers and the passengers is like, they're just, they're not patient with anyone, you know? Yeah. I mean, you see somebody coming onto their airplane, they could be like a first time um, traveler, has uh-huh. no idea what it, what an airplane looks like, right? Where the seat numbers are. And then they're just, they're really struggling. Like they're struggling. They're just yeah. like, oh gosh, where do I go? Where, where's my seat? Where's A, B, C, D? And you know, like to us, since we do it every day, it's um, common sense, right? Yeah. But- you know, it's, it's something it's to be aware of. It's just something to think about. Cause I, I mean, even last year I traveled almost every other week for work. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the flights all the time, Yeah. but there are people, this is their first time. And I have friends that are so afraid of flying yeah. still. And that could be their first experience on a plane. Yeah. Like you said. And I, and I think like, you know, like from the flight attendants, that's where, you know, like COVID really tested our patients mm-hmm. um, and broke our patients. Yeah. And um, on the flip side with, like, the passengers, you know, as far as, like, the respect level that they have towards us. I mean, and there's still a lot of people out there that are very respectful, but um, just passengers as far as, like, like, I had an incident sometime last week. We had a mechanical issue on board the aircraft where mm-hmm. our, one of our oxygen masks um, ended up dropping, like the compartment dropped during landing. Okay. So we had to hold off on boarding until like the maintenance guy actually like put it back together. Mm-hmm. So that entire process with paperwork and whatnot took like an hour. Okay. And um, 
then we started the boarding process and then automatically everyone was like, what about my connections? You know, Mm -hmm. and we're just like, listen, just try to board as quick as you can. And then if we can get out of here on time, we're going to, we're going to do the best that we can. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's boarded. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're good to go, shut the door. And then, um, in the back of the aircraft, like I'm working lead position. So like in my airlines, you know, you have like, um, your, we're, we're numbers. So one, okay. two, three, four, and dictates where you are working on the uh-huh. airplane. So I was number one. So, <laughs> and we would call that lead. Uh-huh. Um, and the, my back end crew of the airplane, you know, they, they call me and they're just like, Hey, these passengers are about to start a mutiny back here. And I was like, wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. And they're like, 32 people just got a notification that they were being rebooked in their San Diego flight. So they are not, because they that was the last flight of the day. Okay. So now they're rebooking them for the following morning. And, and they were on the plane already? And they were on the plane. And they were pissed. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, they want to get off. And I'm like, all right, you know what, let me, let me call the front end, front mm-hmm. end meaning the pilots. Uh, so I call him and I'm just like, hey, this is what's going on. These people want to get off. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, we're going to bring the jet bridge back. Jet bridge comes back. And then um, at this point, you know, agent's like, what's going on? And I'm like, listen, you know, these passengers got this and, you know, notification and they want to get off. Yeah. And she was like, well, okay, if, um, if they're going to get off, we're not pulling their bags. Wow. Okay. So, and that's... You know, like the process, right? Just mm-hmm. because we're still, there's still an airplane full of people who still have connections, even mm-hmm. though they have missed their connections, and pulling these individuals' bags off the plane, yeah, it's gonna delay the flight even more. Mm-hmm. So agent tells me, all right, well, we're gonna keep their bags on the plane. They're gonna go to Charlotte. I hope you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I'll make an announcement. Like, yeah. you know, ladies That's and all gentlemen, you can do. Yeah, yeah. this is your last opportunity to get off the plane. And um, just so you are aware, your bags are going to Charlotte with us. Oh, wow. And, you know, a few, select few got off. A uh-huh. woman tried, a uh, woman was getting off, was talking to the agent, and she came back on and just started yelling at me. She was like, you told me they were going to hold my flights. I'm like, hey, wait, hold on. Yeah. Who, who told you? Yeah. And she's like, you told me they were holding my flights in Charlotte. And I'm like, I did not lie to you and yeah. tell you that. I would never tell you that. Oh. And, um, I mean, initially I was like, listen, it's either you stay on or you get off. Yeah. So she stayed on. But. And it's not, it, it's not your fault at the end no, of the day. No, it's not my fault. So, and I think, like, people, they just need to take the blame out on someone, yeah. which is unfortunate. And yeah. I mean, you're handling a whole day of flying yeah. too and um, all that. And I mean, and you know, and the thing is like, they, we have certain legalities, right? So mm-hmm. we could be the, mm, the norm that what I've been seeing as far as like our duty days mm-hmm. have been from 10 to 12 hours. That's, that's on the norm. Okay. You know, once in a blue, you, you'll get a really easy flight, right? But that's, mm-hmm. that's the norm. You're working 12-hour days. They can extend us up to 15 hours. Yeah. Depending on, like, what time you started and whatnot, you know, there's, there's like, a formula to know when you actually turn into a little pumpkin. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah. Yeah. So we're tired. Uh-huh. And, then, you know, you have people yelling at you yeah that's tough (laughs) yeah um and I know everyone and I have 
you know, I want to talk to people because I know everyone's affected differently by mental health. Mm -hmm. Have there been any, I guess, situations in your life where you've kind of, you've been working full time and people don't see and you've had to deal with? Um, yeah, I think like the hardest part in my life was when I was um, going through a divorce. So I was going through a divorce. Well, I mean, we were, yeah, we were still married, but we were having issues. And then mm-hmm. it was leading into a divorce if things were not resolved. Yeah. And, um, and you're flying this whole and I And I was flying. So mm-hmm. I'm flying on reserve, you know, that lovely reserve schedule yeah. that we have. So not knowing where I'm going, mm-hmm. where I'm going to end up, what time I'm coming home, um, and going through my relationship problems. And, you know, on top of that, like when, once the divorce was actually like in the works, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law ended up passing away during that time because she has, was dealing with can- can- cancer. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah, cancer. And then, uh, yeah, it's okay. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's, it's, I mean, it's obviously tough to go through. Yeah. And that's multiple things at once. And That was multiple things mm-hmm. all at once. And then, I mean, at this point in my in my life, I had already, like, moved out of the house that I shared with, like, my husband. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I was working at, with, at the Marriott also. Mm-hmm. So it was just working those two jobs and then dealing with like my personal stress and not having anyone like you know like I'm in the state with no no family Mm -hmm. and I at this I think at this point I was not even as close to to the friend group that we have now yeah you know so initially I just felt like really alone yeah that's really alone and then having to spend like my layovers just like in my own head like Mm -hmm. in my own sadness so then that, that was really tough is there and, anything that helped or you found that helped? I know it's hard in the moment. Um, I think I think I just like from and saying the thing is like I'm a busy bee, right? Like yeah. whenever I'm stressed out or sad, like I throw myself into work. Yeah, and I, then, I do the same. I'm like, yeah. everyone's asked like, oh, when you get stressed, what do you do? I'm like, well, I took on this responsibility and I took on this yeah, project. Yeah, but. yeah, so I'm... I'm <laughs> Well, then I was I was the same way just because yeah. I didn't know how to cope with it. Mm-hmm. Coping with it was too painful. Yeah. So I threw myself into work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and there was times where I was just working two jobs. Like I was on a 21-day stretch yeah. of working, like flying. And then on my off day from flying, I was working at the Marriott. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back to flying again and just so forth. Yeah. And I would take that one day off as a break for myself, mm-hmm. but then I would go right back into it, right back into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it was hard. But um, I th- think what ended up helping me initially was just like um, opening up more to like my friends, you know, like I met like a really good group of girls that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm friends with now and, and guys and guys. <laughs> um, a mix. <laughs> and guys, yeah. And um, just having that friend group and then, you know, a lot of it was just like also educating myself and like reading like self-help. Like mm-hmm. I'm all about self-development, self-help. Do you have any favorites? You know. Any favorite books? <laughs> oh, God. See, I love um, I love Joe Dispenza. Okay. Kind of supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think That's he's, a really good one. Yeah, yeah. He's all about, you know, just kind of like the trauma that we experience outside of life how if we internalize it and you you treat yourself like as a victim like for you know example like I'm now just divorced woman and this is how I categorize myself as just divorced woman 
and that neg- negative like thought process towards that it's like it becomes your identity and initially yeah. hurts you in the long mm-hmm. run you know just because it's like bad talk bad talk yeah <laughs> but it's not that's not like you as a person like, there's no. so much more yeah it's so so much more and, than that I mean and I think that, and that's that's what I did you know mm-hmm. and I, I think it took it took a while because yeah. like um Initially, I think when you first met me, I was a very much like quiet recluse, and mm. then I was like developing into like a lively <laughs> butterfly. Oh, <And laughs> no! But it all takes time. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, yeah. I I didn't start out doing all the things that I do for myself. Like I've I've always been into reading, but mm-hmm. I think I've eventually evolved into the the self help books and the things that really interest me, like the neurology books. But I never. I never started out doing that. So it's kind of finding your own passions yeah, and things that yeah. really kind of keep you mm-hmm. sane and together. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, and that's kind of like the process that I took. Mm-hmm. So. Have you realized now um, that maybe taking a few more days for yourself or taking a step back really does help, like in those situations and not taking on as much or... Do I? Yeah, I was like, have you realized that? Do I? <laughs> and now I write, I write poetry. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I know you don't have any with you, or else I'd, t- I'd ask for some. But oh, yeah, if you have no, any offhand, you can go right I ahead. I don't have any with me right now. Yeah, I did not come prepared. With but my that's poetry. nice. I love that. Um, yeah. Now, so what I kind of like use as my outlets is mm-hmm. just writing. Like, yeah, I'm really big into writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then working out. Like, uh-huh. I mean, um, like I'm all about like feeding your mind and your body. You yeah. Know? And that makes me happy. Yes. Like, that makes me happy. That's good. Yeah. yeah I know. I, I love working out, so I obviously know the importance of that. But yeah. it's – and I tell people all the time with working out, it's one of those things where sometimes when I get in anxious states or when I get, get super busy, it's the one thing that I'm like, oh, I don't have time for. But it's the one thing in my mind that I know I need to be doing. So I always yeah. have to consciously yeah. be like, you need to do this no matter how you're feeling in the moment because you know over time this is going to make you happier. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I do that on my layovers also. So it's mm-hmm. just like if I've had a rough day of flying because X, Y, and Z happen or people were mean to me or flight attendants yeah. were mean to me, <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go work out. Yeah. And go to the hotel and work out and stretch or even even if I don't want to lift the weights. Yeah. Even stretching, stretching my room makes me feel better. That's nice. That's good. Or like I have, um, gosh, um, I call it like a meditative, like walking on my layovers, okay. layovers if, yeah. that, if that makes any sense. I was going to ask if there's anything that you could do on a layover the everyday person could do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Walk around your city. Yeah. Walk around your city. It's just on layovers. That's what I do. I just, I sit there and I explore. I love it's it. like I'm. Yeah. So any favorite cities to do that in? Oh, favorite cities. I love exploring. Oh, gosh. I want to bring up my international. <laughs> um, I love Rome. Okay. Rome, I think it's like such a great city to walk around and explore, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, the architecture is gorgeous uh-huh. and the food is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, and if you're going to walk around, you can have like croissant or pasta or whatever it's just it's just better it's, it's just better. so much better the water and the milk out there is just so much better oh, wow. okay everything <laughs> well even the, gro- the grocery stores are like really nice okay i haven't been to rome yet so it's definitely oh, on the list God. of places to go yeah what so, about in the states anything in the states no, for all the people who can't travel internationally right now all the people <laughs> in the states um, I love Seattle, okay, Seattle, yes. Washington. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just I like that Pike's Place Market. Yeah. So I sit there and walk around, and then the, the things that that I like 
it's, you know, I do on my layover is um, like looking at used bookstores. Okay. So I'll ro- walk around the marketplace uh-huh. and then I'll go into like a used bookstore. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to mm-hmm. just kind of experience the now too. Yeah. And really get into the moment yeah. because I think... Yeah, with all the travel. I know one of the reasons I actually love to travel is because it's a time when I don't, I'm not connected to my phone and uh-huh. I'm almost forced to be in the moment. I love reading on planes. So that's what I do when I'm on a plane. I get excited to read a new book. <laughs> I sleep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, everyone, I'm like that one. I'm the person with the light on. Everyone hates, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, no, nothing is like, I love when it's turbulent. Uh-huh. I love sleeping and napping on the plane. Oh my oh, God. I don't okay. know why, but it's like it rocks me to sleep. It's like the craziest thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, Interesting. But whatever I'm working and it's turbulent, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh God, oh God, stay awake, stay awake. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. <laughs> I know there's probably some, ba- we won't ask about the airspace. That's probably worse for, for travel and turbulence. We won't ask about that. We don't want to tell everyone about the certain zones that probably you will get turbulence in. No, we won't talk about the radiation either. (laughs) Well, uh, this has been great. Um, Are there any lasting words you want to leave with all the listeners? Just Um, about mental health or kind of just airline industry in general, just maybe being more mindful of what's going on with your... Yeah, and I, you know, and I think um, a lot of flight attendants will appreciate this. So (laughs) it's... um, Basically, just being very mindful about your environment, and you know, you 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 know, we're gonna come out and do a beverage service. So just be present. Just mm-hmm. be present. You know, and and, the, and that's the thing, though. It's just ah, just be kind. Be yeah. kind to your flight crew. What do you see when you say the be present? What have you seen that's like? Um, you know, in this social med- media era, it's mm-hmm. like a lot of people are really glued onto their phones or mm-hmm. tablets or laptops and, and whatnot. And then, so you coming around and actually asking them a question or, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, your service is going to be provided, even in first class, like, you know, you're yeah. going to get like a meal service or whatever, depending on where you're going. Right. And you, you still... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking about just experiences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just be mindful. Like, just be present when somebody's coming up to you and asking you about, "Hey, sir, can I get you something to drink?" Mm-hmm. Or, "Hey, sir, you know, it's just." <sighs> no, it's such a simple thing, but I think, like you said, we're so distracted nowadays. We forget yeah. that there's still an interaction. It's a person to person. It's people connecting and. We took yeah. it away in the pandemic, so let's bring it back again. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that's like the major issue, like mm-hmm. on board the airplane right now, right? And I mean, you know, like if you want to get rid of us, then you could just like, pff, like order your beverage order on the screen, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Some airlines actually have that though. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. it's like you can order what you want on the screen, and then like if you want a beverage, you just press on the order and then you get the beverage nobody else does that you ain't getting a drink I've (laughs) seen that I remember it was years ago now and I saw that at an airport and it was at the bar I forget what airport this is but it's a bar that's completely automated so Mm -hmm. the bartender was there only to get the drinks he wasn't there to take orders and I remember I felt so bad because there was an older gentleman next to me and he was trying to get the bartender's the bartender's attention and he didn't realize you had to order from the app so I had helped him but it was it was almost a sad moment because there was no instructions of here's how here's what you do in this setting but I don't know but there's a I guess there's a hybrid you know probably between service and what we can automate but 
it definitely no, takes away I that mean, personal I, connection. I don't think I don't think I would enjoy that on the airplane though, just yeah. because like you know, like I was talking about how working with people mm-hmm. it's, it's my social hour yes <laughs> so i sit there and i i, I like having conversations with people on board mm-hmm. the airplane like as we're boarding while i'm going through the aisle i'm just like hey what are you watching <laughs> and they're like uh i'm like what's it about yeah they're like okay but or, yeah you know i just yeah those moments probably make them happier than they realize mm-hmm. you know in their head they're like oh i don't know why she's being friendly but in their yeah. head they need that connection yeah so, so final words danny um yeah i would say just uh just be kind to your flight crew because mm-hmm. we have had a day also yes love yeah. that yeah well thank you for being here well thank you for inviting me i'll see you again soon Thanks for joining in. Remember to subscribe. Stay connected and follow me on Instagram at Mari Mari Burr and follow this podcast online at thethingsthatmatter.me. The Things That Matter podcast is produced in cooperation with Balto Creative Media and the Queen City Podcast Network. It is recorded at the Queen City Podcast Network studios in Uptown Charlotte. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.